Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome into Bet the Edge. It is our Halloween edition. We are dressed up as underdogs or dogs. I'm going to try my best to get through this show. If you are listening to our audio version today, I beg you to go on our YouTube channel. We're going to do our regular show, but the theme for Halloween are dogs. Drew and I like a lot of underdogs, and we have done our our best job dressing up. I hope that you enjoy this show, and we have an awesome Show. We begin with John Daigle, who is going to tell us why he's siding on overs in some week-up matchups on Sunday. He's also going to help us analyze the current prices in the Offensive Rookie of the Year market. And it's Friday, and Thor Nystrom, of course, is here. He likes a lot of dogs as well. He's not dressed up, but he will join us. And he's going to tell us why the adjusted Thor line also sees value in the Georgia and Florida game and a ton other for this week in the college football market. And we have our edge of the day. We have so much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet Halloween weekend edition. I have to do my best here, Drew, to not look at you this entire show. I need to cover you and look away because your costumes and the way you edited that are amazing. How are you doing other than the dogs are barking for this Halloween weekend edition of Bet the Edge? I mean, that definitely is the theme on my uh, NFL card. Uh, I'm here supporting my Cleveland Browns. I mean, obviously, I'm at the dog pound uh, going full, uh, full into this dog theme here. Um, but uh, overall, this NFL Sunday, I'm really hopeful that uh, we get a nice result here from the dogs. They are due. Uh, that's obviously not why I bet them. But, uh, you know, I think there's a bunch of overreactions. Uh, you know, some people obvi- yeah, started last night. We had an outright underdog winner for the uh, Green Bay Packers. That was pretty fun game. Well, great way to kick off NFL uh, weekend. And, uh, and then, of course, the uh, college football slate offers a ton of dogs this week, too. So it's going to be a great weekend. Well, we're going to start with a dog that I'm a little bit confused on. It's the Dallas Cowboys, because when I bet this, Dallas Cowboys were favored. Now the line has flipped to Minnesota, laying two and a half at home, both teams coming off of the bye. But because of this DAC concern, a lot of the money now has backed the home team in the Minnesota Vikings. The total's at 53. I want to start with this game, obviously, on NBC, Sunday Night Football. For what it's worth, 58% of the handle on the Vikings. So we have seen some money, of course, as I said, come in on them. Now flip-flop the line. What is your level of concern for the Dak injury? And are you involved in this game? So this is interesting because a lot of people saw the line flip and they assume that means Dak is out. However, Mm -hmm. I will tell you with almost 100% certainty that uh, if Dak were 
out of this game. You would not see this at Minnesota minus two and a half. This would be well on the other side of three. Realistically, the uh, you look at the money line and you use that as a gauge. Uh, when the DAC comments circulated that it wasn't his decision whether he would start or not, despite saying he went 100% in practice, the line flipped from uh, you know small dog for uh, Minnesota to about minus 135 on the favorite. And that's only a 7% implied win probability swing, which is nowhere close to the correct number that would capture uh, the difference between Dak Prescott and his replacement. So I would say that uh, if you wake up tomorrow morning and this is three and a half or four or even six, I think all of those are fair landing spots if Dak is out. I personally think Dak ultimately goes and we see this settle around to pick them. And like you, I played Dallas as a favorite and now I'm staring at this price with them as a dog and uh, contemplating doubling down. Well, we have to double down because we're dressed up as underdogs. It only made sense that the team we love flipped to our side, went with the Halloween edition. So we both do like the Dallas Cowboys, laid it with favorites. I took them at two and a half. I know you did as well. And now, of course, they're underdogs. We will look and possibly see if we can get involved in doubling down in that market as long as Dak is good to go. I am with you. I saw the news comments. It's not his decision. They want to win this game, obviously. I know they're on the road. I do think Dak Prescott plays, and his calf looked pretty good in practice. He played limited, but still played a ton. Okay, another game that's actually going to be phenomenal on NBC and Peacock this weekend, not just Sunday Night Football. It's going to be Notre Dame in North Carolina at Notre Dame. And right now, the home favorite, minus three and a half, the total six. I'm going to have to get Thor's opinion on this game in a little bit later, see if he's fading Notre Dame at home. But um, out of curiosity, do you have anything involved in this college game? And if not, when are you looking to get involved in this? Yeah, no, I think this is realistically another shot to take the underdog. This should probably be a flat three. The fact that you're getting the hook is uh, attractive. North Carolina has obviously underachieved so far this season, but they have the tools. They have the quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with Notre Dame here. Notre Dame, you know, it's been a theme of our show that we've kind of picked against Notre Dame because they've been a little overrated, uh, and I don't think this is any different, even though it is in South Bend. I think uh, you got to take a shot with the Tar Heels here at three and a half. Yeah, we can't forget they did lose in South Bend earlier this season. Different opponent, of course, in Cincinnati than North Carolina. But I think with the hook, that's where I'd lean as well. The total, by the way, has hit the over in five of Notre Dame's last seven against an ACC opponent. So worth noting and seeing that 62 on the board. We'll get back to college football in just a bit. We will transition now to the NFL, though. Um, It is one of the best months uh, on the sports calendar. And we're making it even better by giving you a chance to win up to $205,000 this weekend by entering contest on the NBC Sports Predict at powered by points bet 95 grand is up for grabs over four separate contests on saturday surrounding english premier league north carolina versus notre dame and game four of the world series you can also win one hundred thousand dollars by entering sunday night seven between the cowboys and vikings just visit nbcsports.com predictor for more info Now, our next guest, John Daigle, isn't dressed up, and that's really unfortunate, but it's okay because he can make it back up by giving us some value on the board. John, I know you're going to have an issue looking at Drew and trying not to laugh, so I'll give you a break if if you do because I have to cover my screen right now with him. It's a good thing we're not in his studio. But, John, thanks for taking the time here on Bet the Edge. We're going to start with Offensive Rookie of the Year, where Jamar Chase 
is minus 140, the obvious favorite. But my issue with this market is that so much relies on staying healthy, continuously putting up numbers. And of course, he's not a quarterback where they've had the most success with this award in recent history. Drew and I both had Mac Jones at 11 or 12 to 1. He's now at plus 450. But you can also now get involved with the likes of, let's say, Trevor Lawrence at 9 to 1. So in your opinion, is there still value on the market? Or are you buying in on Jamar Chase as the clear favorite? I am actually buying in on Jamar Chase. We know, and first of all, I should say, I also hid my preview monitor behind my computer because I can't make a serious conversation right now. <laughs> uh, but no, this is a quarterback award. The issue is that while Trevor Lawrence is doing good things pre-snap, like whether it's 31-year-old Marvin Jones or 23-year-old LaVisca Chenault, moving them to the proper places in their personnel um, the fact is they're not a winning team. And so you can't really give Lawrence this award at the end of the year. Same for Trey Lance, who can't even get on the field for whatever reason, whether that's the coaches or his fault. Zach Wilson injured and was struggling behind a poor and injured offensive line before he was named out for six weeks, pretty much. And then, of course, Matt Jones, who's actually looked the best among all of them. But also, like, that team still struggles with inconsistencies on offense. And you look at Chase who is second in the league in receiving yards right now, only 50 behind Cooper Cup, but has done so on 30 fewer targets. So Chase still soaking up 16 of Burroughs, 27 targets, 20-plus yards downfield as the primary receiving threat, their only receiving threat downfield. Just even the explosiveness, everything is tied and leading to Chase still pretty much walking away from this one since we have no Justin Herbert, who literally changed the game last year, stealing the award from a player who set rookie records in Justin Jefferson. You know, this is a, this is a serious show and I take this award very seriously. I take this award market very seriously and I cannot even begin to tell you how mispriced this is. Jamar Chase is amazing. I will not dis dis dispute this, uh, but he is reliant on number one, himself staying healthy. He's a skill position player. He's at a greater risk. He runs mm -hmm. some routes that put him in harm's way and over the middle of the field. On, and he relies on Joe Burrow staying healthy. Both of those things are not guarantees. They have a, the remainder of their schedule uh, through the winter months are, is outdoors. They're going to have to do get it done in the elements. And then on top of all of this, uh, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of examples of quarterbacks who uh, put up decent statistics on losing teams that stole this Rookie of the Year award from uh, better skill position players. And so the fact that this is minus 140 at this point in the season when we're not even uh, we haven't even gotten into the winter months. It's tough for me to wrap my brain around. I think really realistically, Jones and Lawrence, the value is on those two players right now. If you don't already have some Jones at 10 to 1, I think that's a fair play at plus 450. And then similarly, Trevor Lawrence at 9 to 1, I think is a reasonable shot. Now, that's not to say that Matt, Jamar Chase doesn't uh, ultimately win this award. But at minus 140, I think the price is a little too rich. Speaking of a price that is interesting and rich, the Colts and the Titans play a very meaningful game in the AFC standings and the total is up to 51. That's obviously a key number as far as totals go in the NFL. Do you think that that has settled on a fair total there or do you think there is still room for this to go over? I fortunately got it Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, around 49 and a half. And so now we've seen it increase significantly. I still think there is a little bit of value, though. I expected the market to adjust and overreact after the Titans 
dominating win over the Chiefs. I just didn't expect it to be in favor of the Titans defense because prior to that Chiefs game, Tennessee was still pasted by Zach Wilson for 297 yards, Trevor Lawrence for 275 passing yards, also seven carries and a rushing touchdown. And Josh Allen had 350 yards and multiple touchdowns on Sunday night before whatever the hell the Chiefs tried to do, average (laughs) 4.9 yards per play against the Titans. Also this matchup we've seen, but remember Wentz wasn't healthy in it. Whereas now we've seen since that time, he's averaged over three carries per game and multiple touchdowns in every contest since. The Titans also, on the other side of the ball, have increased their play action 35% the past three games compared to just 25% through the first month of the season. And we know, just like last year, that's when Tannehill has been at his best. This year in particular, 10.5 yards per attempt from play action compared to only 6.5 yards per attempt without it. So the more play action and the healthier the Colts offense is, that just tells me I think we're going to get a lot of points in this game. Yeah, and with the Colts' healthiness, especially, or health rather, on offense, we've seen a lot of money. Right now, the Colts are laying two and a half. We looked at one on the board earlier this morning, so a ton of indie money has come in. I love the over. I played this at 50 and a half earlier in the week, talked about it in depth on blitzing the board yesterday. The over is the spot for me. I still think there's value at 51. Titans putting up 30 points per game over their last five. And you mentioned it. The Colts offense really come alive, putting up 30, at least 30 in their last three games. But there is a a game on the board that I have nothing to do with, and I want nothing to do with rather, and I'm not involved. It's the Jaguars and Seahawks because I looked at it. I stared at the Seahawks laying three and a half, and I'm like, how are they a favorite? Regardless who the quarterbacks are and the coaches are and struggling, I, I can't wrap my head around it. So is it the side or total that intrigues you, and where could you find value in a game that I'd like to watch, but I can't uh, I can't watch unless I have some money on it? The side, I would not know what to do with, but the total I'm interested in, not only in being close to 44 in a football game in 2021, but also remember prior to Jacksonville's bye, Lawrence was clicking on all cylinders. 66% of his passes completed for just over eight yards per attempt and nearly six scrambles per game in his last three starts. Uh, Seattle's defense also facing a league high 72 plays per game this year and due for regression since they rank eighth overall in sacks, despite creating the sixth lowest pressure rate. And on the other side of the ball for Seattle, that's where we need the points to really come in, right? We need them to actually score. And I understand Geno Smith has not looked good in three primetime games, but he was also dealt a tough hand in playing the Rams, Steelers, and Saints. Whereas the Jaguars, far and away the easiest test he's played to date, have allowed at least 20 points in every game dating back to week 16 of the 2019 season. So I do think we actually cash an easy over in this one. Okay, I love this look. For us, it's probably dog or pass, given our theme of the show. So maybe I would lean towards the underdog, but 44 certainly seems like there's a lot of value. I faded Geno Smith last week. He's just been covering. So I don't know what to make of that. But yeah, there's a lot of confidence, actually, with our edge tool showing the over 44. So best of luck with that. You certainly have mark in agreement. 72% of the bets right now at points bet coming in on that over mark. Be sure to follow John on Twitter, not Jay Daigle. He also hosts an amazing show, um, a good football show, actually, on Friday nights, which really does help focus on the best lineups to roll out for all the daily fantasy players out there, including myself. It's awesome. And he has a ton of fantasy analysis throughout the week on Twitter on NBCSportsEdge.com. John, thank you so much. And stick around for this show because I hear there are more costumes involved. What an amazing tease. You know what? That's the kind of energy I need on this Halloween Friday. There are more costumes involved. Not for me. This little floppy-eared hat is all I got. But uh, True Densick is about to roll out one for the ages. But listen, we appreciate you guys listening to us here, watching us hopefully in these amazing silly costumes on Bet the Edge. Wherever you may be listening, make sure to rate the podcast. Of course, sign up. We're giving you the most actionable information Monday through Friday in just about 30 minutes or less. These lines move quickly, and we want to make sure you're getting the best of the numbers, so be sure to sign up.
And make sure to hit us up on Twitter. I was told my last costume was too distracting. So I've flipped to my hot dog costume, which is hopefully uh, a little less distracting, but equally as entertaining. Of course, hit us up on Twitter. You can find Sarah at Sarah Perlman, and I am available at whale underscore capper. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. We're going to break down week nine in college football. If our next guest or Nystrom could do us a favor and try not to laugh the next 20, 15 minutes, let's say, <laughs> or I'll send you a nice gift because I can't even look at Drew, but we need the insight. We need some winners. And I feel like you have a lot of underdogs on your card. So I should have texted you to get a costume for our Halloween edition, but that's okay because good plays will work as well. And we're going to start with an underdog on your card. And that is North Texas. They are getting two and a half at Rice. And I love your adjusted Thor lines because they show what obviously your model shows and you've been lights out as of the last few weeks. And, and your model predicts that North Texas actually should be favored. So take us through your model and exactly what you're looking for for this to come home. Yeah. And hi, guys. Uh, Drew, looking good. Sorry, I, I come in a little underdressed, but I hope that'll be OK for today. For me, this is a perception against reality game. Rice is three and four, but they have only 1.5 second order wins, whereas North Texas is one and six, but they have 2.1 second order wins. So in reality, even with the worst record, North Texas has been a little bit better this year. The reason that Rice is favored in this game is because they upset UAB last week, but Rice finished with a 5% postgame win expectancy, and that game was very fluky. Rice also had less than a 50% uh, win expectancy in their other win over an FBS team, which was over Southern Mess. So I think the wrong team is favored here. North Texas runs the ball well. They have a decent run defense. Rice struggles to throw the ball, and they have an awful run defense. I like the upset here. Yeah, that's a very strong case. Actually, wow, 81% of the bet count going with Rice Owls. Uh, but only 54% of the handle so far has come in on North Texas. Interestingly, we have, uh, of course, the big game down in Jacksonville, Florida. Always a neutral site between the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia's been just rolling up these SEC teams, racking up these wins, marching all the way to potentially the SEC championship and the Final Four. However, 14 points is a lot in a game that is a neutral site and is a rivalry game and a meaningful opponent. Do we go with the underdog Florida Gators in this spot? 
I think we do. You guys and I, we talked about when Florida was playing Alabama and Florida was installed as 14-point underdogs in that game as well, that it was too many points. The spread was just too inflated. That's the exact same way that I see this game. My line on this game is is under a touchdown. It's like Georgia by like 6.5 or whatever. The Gators easily covered that game against Alabama. You guys recall they only lost by two in that game. And since then, Florida's been upset by Kentucky and LSU, both times by seven points. But if you look at all three of those losses that they've had, they're four and three now, Florida's four and three, all three losses, they've had post-game win expectancies of 51% or higher. So a few bounces of the ball the other way, this could be an undefeated team. My ATL system ties them for fourth in the nation with Michigan. So I'm still seeing them as a very strong team. Bad turnover luck has cost Florida 3.8 points per game per SP+. That is going to normalize at some point. Meanwhile, for Georgia, this is the best opponent that they've faced all season. Previously, the best opponent that they'd faced was Clemson. They only beat them 10 to 3, so so by 7 points. Georgia has not topped 40 points against an SEC team not named Vanderbilt yet. I think they're going to have to get probably to 35 or so, at least, to cover this number. Florida has the top 5 SP plus offense. I like the dog. You know, I'm, I'm going to take the points with this, especially with the Georgia's uh, quarterback situation up in the air. We don't know if Daniels is going to be back. Stetson Bennett, I'm certainly not going to, you know, with taking the 14 points, I, I would love to do that against Stetson Bennett. So give me the points. Yeah, this neutral site field also is so important when you have fans from both places coming into Jacksonville. It's really fun. I'm fired up that it's a dogger pass week for you too, but taking my Florida Gators, your adjusted Thor line is giving you almost a touchdown different from the line available on the board. So I will gladly take my Florida Gators with you. Um, I am curious though on another game where your Thor line is completely different than the Wyoming-San Jose State game. I took a look, and it looks like your model has Wyoming laying three and a half. But I look at the board, and Wyoming's actually getting three at San Jose State. And so much of the money right now is coming in on Wyoming, but this line hasn't moved too much. But 79% is on Wyoming. What is your case for a low-scoring affair at San Jose State here? So last week we talked about uh, Ball State and Miami of Ohio, and I was fading Ball State because they were five-point favorites. I was fading them because of turnover variance. Uh, Ball State had a negative five turnover margin during their one and three start, but they were plus eight turnovers in a three-game winning streak leading up till that game. Well, Miami of Ohio won outright. This is a very similar handicap, except it's coming from the other way. Uh, Wyoming has become undervalued by the market because of turnover variance, whereas Ball State had become overvalued. Wyoming was plus five turnovers during their 3-0 start, but they're minus nine turnovers over the last four games when they only beat UConn by two, and then they had a three-game losing streak coming into this game. I think those turnovers are going to, to normalize. You mentioned that my system has Wyoming as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that that if those turnovers do normalize, that Wyoming is going to upset, pull the upset here just like Miami of Ohio did last week. Nice. I love it. Wyoming getting a ton of support right now in the market. 54% of the bet count, 79% of the handle. So uh, you are obviously with the smart money because I get, because guess what? There's not a lot of public players that are that are running down a Wyoming San Jose State number. Uh, in, there's only, in there's only people that are dressed as dogs and particularly hot dogs <laughs> that are looking to get involved in this game. So it's boring. That's right. That's right. I'm just glad we made it through the discussion about the uh, you know the world's largest tailgate party because I'm uncomfortable around tailgates as a hot dog. You know, this is it's it's not my it's not my uh, not my most not my most happy place to be. Um, but that said, uh, Virginia. 
as the final dog on the card. I got to get some support here. Virginia wins outright against BYU, or am I crazy? You're not crazy. No, I'm, I'm definitely – I'm all over Virginia this week. BYU is a team that got inflated because of the start of the season in terms of the perception thing. Started out 5-0. and Last three weeks, they're 1-2. and They got uh, beat soundly by Boise State. They got beat even more soundly by Baylor. And then last week, they were playing that Wazoo team that had just fired Rolovich, fired the four assists. That's, you know, everyone is sticking a fork in them or whatever. BYU only snuck by them by two, had a 25% postgame win expectancy. The reason that BYU is playing worse these past three weeks or whatever is because of injuries. They have a whole bunch of guys injured. I think they have seven guys uh, listed as questionable for this game. That doesn't even include James Empey, who's one of their best offensive, probably the, their best offensive lineman, their center. When Empey went down last week, they had to bring in a true freshman that didn't even play center to replace him. This is just one example of how injuries are really hurting BYU on the field right now. Another big example is their front seven. BYU held their first four opponents under 200 yards rushing. Then Utah State got over that number in week five. Baylor went over 300 a couple weeks later. They even had a, a trouble with Wazoo's running back last week. So they have major issues on run defense. Their pass defense already stunk. It just stunk, period. Now you're going up against a Virginia offense that's top 10 SP plus in terms of offense, just in terms of total offense. They run the ball with extreme efficiency. They pass the ball with extreme efficiency. Brandon Armstrong, the, Virginia's quarterback, is the best player in the nation that nobody knows about. I think BYU is going to have all sorts of problems keeping Virginia off, off track. Meanwhile, Virginia's biggest defensive weakness is their pass defense. Well, Jaron Hall, BYU's quarterback, he struggled all season, specifically these last three games since he came back. BYU can't go to Baylor Romney, their backup, who, who played well earlier this season because he's one of these guys that's injured. So anyway, I, I like Virginia to pull the outright upset. I'm with you on this one, Will. BYU gets a ton of love, but it's not like they're covering machine by any means they're actually just one and four against the number in their last five so a quick fade for me you've taken all underdogs you've gotten the theme so i have one more for you that drew and i don't necessarily have a play on but we mentioned at the top of the show that we would take probably north carolina with that hook still available on the board playing in south and at notre dame so you're someone that's had a really good read on notre dame all season so when you don't bring them up on your plays and your favorite plays i typically know to stay away but i am curious if you are involved in this game and if not what would it take for you to attack this side or total yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what surprised me about this. You know, you look at the market sometimes and it does things that are predictable and you can see some things coming. Well, something that I thought was going to be coming this week was when, uh, it, or I should say, if Notre Dame announced the Kyle Hamilton, their All-American safety, if they announced that he was going to be out, I thought for sure this line was going to start dropping. You know, it, it started at three and a half. I thought that was going to cause it to go under three, you know, at two and a half, two, whatever it was. It didn't budge any. Shocking to me. Shocking, shocking, especially because of the matchup that they have here. Kyle Hamilton. Hamilton cleans up a lot of messes for them in the back half of the field with downfield passes and stuff like that. Notre Dame is worse than a hundredth in the nation in air yards per pass. Ha again, Hamilton's the guy that's cleaning up all these messes back there against Sam Howell and a super explosive UNC passing offense. I just think that he's worth multiple points on the spread. And so for it not to move, I just thought that was a little weird. Maybe the public just doesn't realize his value to the team. I would definitely be on UNC with Kyle Hamilton out of this game. Okay, that's awesome insight. We actually do have a live viewer and credit to them being able to make it through this end of the show without cracking up hysterically. Maybe they are, but they have a question about Duke getting 16 and a half versus Wake Forest. Your thoughts here, Thor? I guess I'd be probably on Wake on that. Uh, it, it has been impossible to keep Wake off off schedule. The, you know, with the claw offense and everything, they just keep you know putting numbers up. Sam Hartman uh, last week, that ridiculous game against Army, where both teams went over the total, he couldn't miss. So I, I I would be on Wake Forest on that game if I had to bet it for sure.
So our Fridays are always the most fun, but this one might take the cake. I appreciate you joining my hot dog friend and your Dinsick and my floppy-eared hat on this Halloween edition. Um, love that you took almost all the underdogs, actually all of them on the card. If you are not looking at Thor's adjusted Thor line on NBCSportsEdge.com, you're missing a ton of value in the college football space. So Thor, have an awesome weekend. Have a happy Halloween. We appreciate your time. Happy Halloween, guys. Good to join you. Thor's on Twitter, by the way, at Thorku, if you want to tweet him and wonder where his costume went, because I'm still wondering why he didn't get the memo. He had 10 minutes at the beginning of the podcast to go change. He must have ran out of time. Drew, this has been a really fun edition of Bet the Edge. And in all seriousness, and it's hard to take you seriously at times like this, I need your best play uh, on the board for today, for Edge of the Day. How we wrap up our show, how we head into the weekend. The floor is yours, my hot dog friend. Where are we going? Well, uh, it, it's been good for me betting underdogs this week in the NBA. So I think that's where we're going to go. I did back Brooklyn. I did back Denver. But those of you who are sharp players in the NBA know that they are favorites. So we will not make those Edge of the Day. Instead, we will go with the LA Clippers, who are taking on the Portland Trailblazers. This is a weird one because, you know, there was a decent signal from the last time these two teams matched up that the Clippers are just a better team, period. And realistically, there are some issues going on with how Chauncey Billups is managing the lineups for the Trailblazers team that I think are worth paying attention to. Uh, right now, they're asking a lot of Dame Lillard. His shot is not falling. The rotation desperately misses Norman Powell. He is questionable for tonight. I think the injury he sustained, while there was not video of that injury, it was relatively serious. Jumper's knee can sometimes take two to three weeks to recover from. Uh, he was questionable last game. They said it was a game-time decision, ultimately pulled the plug on him. I think that continues for another couple of games here. We do not see Norman Powell uh, until Till the month of November. And on the flip side, I love what the Clippers are doing with some of their small ball rotations. Some of the um, Eric Bledsoe at centers type of looks have been very, very, very fun. And uh, he's got the speed and ability to attack the rim that can absolutely make this a nightmare for uh, a big player like uh, Yusuf Nurkic. So all around, I think the Clippers win this game outright. Either way, I don't think plus three is a fair price here. I would have made this about plus one and a half to close to a pick em, depending on uh, the availability of uh, Norman Powell. So let's go Clippers and let's go dogs. Dogs are barking today on this show. We'll take the Clippers plus three. I guess the only downfall I could make is if you've been to Staples Center, their hot dogs aren't that good. So it's just a little issue I'm having with getting in. Let's not hot dog shame. Okay. Okay. I'll try not to for the next few minutes. Um, I wanted to take a favorite, but because of the theme, I found a, such a better way to get involved in this game. And it's going back to the NFL. And by the way, if you want more NFL plays, Drew Warren Sharp, myself, blitzing the board. It's available on YouTube. Or, of course, you can watch on Peacock from tonight through Sunday getting ready for the game. But um, one of my favorite bets that I didn't have time to mention on the show yesterday, I looked across the board. It's actually going to be the Buffalo Bills to score 30-plus points. It's minus 130, so a little bit juicy on points bet. But I do like a lot of things about this where I think it's okay to fire off on. Um, the Bills are not only coming off of their bye week, they're also coming off of a tough loss. So now they have extra rest, excuse me, extra time to prepare. They're playing the Dolphins, a team they hung 35 points on back in September. But if you look on a bigger scale in their last six matchups, Buffalo has scored at least 30 points in every single game. Bills are averaging 38 points in their last six games versus Miami. They've kind of had Miami's number over the last few seasons. We've talked about that in depth on this show. I'll also add that the Dolphins defense is struggling mightily. It's actually the worst defense in the NFL right now. 
giving up almost 415 yards per game. Uh, they're also allowing just around 30 points per game this season. I couldn't lay it with the favorite. As I mentioned, it's a dogger pass day on this Halloween edition. So Bills to score 30 plus available on points bet. That's my biggest edge of the day, Drew. Can't say I disagree with that. Uh, the Bills offense is a truck. Um, and I'll just hope because I have some Miami plus the points, they'll hope that the uh, the Miami Dolphins score at least 20 plus points so that they can stay inside the number, please. I like that side. And that's why I had to target this. It's such a big number. Back door is wide open in this one. And um, if they cover, I'll send you a, a hot dog. I don't know, some sort of dog package in the mail as a gift. Um, Drew, in all seriousness, your Halloween costumes were out of control today. We appreciate you guys joining us and being with us here as the dogs are barking all weekend. We have our costumes on for Halloween. I hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Have a happy Halloween. Enjoy all of the games across so many sports and best of luck with all your bets. We'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.